Hello everybody and welcome to this new fantastic episode of this fantastic podcast. So I was thinking of what to talk about and then I realized that I have another favorite thing. So I have uh, some more uh, six inspired of this, but I know for sure that I have another favorite thing and my cat is complaining because I am not talking about him. He is one of my favorite things but other than being dumb it's not that problematic. Like I yes could talk about him for a lot of time but it would be just me telling you how he doesn't know how to drink which is very weird but it's something that actually happens absence happens to my cat and you don't want to hear that thing so i realized that i never actually talked about well of course this is the second episode but um I haven't, no, I'm, I'm just weepy, yeah, hi. Um, not just on the podcast, but also on other things. I have never talked about little women. So, we're not talking about uh, the second volume, or the title of the second volume, which is absolutely terrible in the United Kingdom, because it's Good Wives, which is absolutely terrible and yes the second volume is the second part of the first book if you think Uh, as an american person so i think we all know what it's about so adaptations so there's a state broadway stage adaptation in 1912 Another one in 1919, uh, 2001, one-act state version, oh yeah, oh, was played in Italy, didn't know that. Um, and then, of course, musical, but that doesn't mention the musical, but I know it exists. I've seen the musical, but okay, so then there are a ton of movies, okay? And I need to read, uh, to read, uh, to watch the contemporary film adaptation, which I am not confident in. Uh, the 2018 version, and then there's also some television, um, sorry, uh, there's the different series that are 1950, uh, 1958, 1970, and 2017, and also another miniseries, a tons of mini, oh yeah, musical and opera, there's also an opera, okay, and also an audio drama. Um, well, 
there's also one musical version who is entitled Joe. Because, of course, in every other uh, adaptation, there's been this problem that they haven't actually dared making sure that people knew who was actually the protagonist. But this musical does it, finally! I, the musical that I say um, is sorry, on Broadway in 2005, from January to May. Okay, good. Good. As you might have noticed, I have some little things against some of these adaptations, and not because in themselves I hate them, it's just I am tired. So we have so many adaptations, let's just look at the movies. So, first and second, okay, then fourth, fifth, sixth, I mean, let's say seven without the contemporary film adaptation. Let's say seven movies. Seven movies are a lot, and to be fair, the first two can't really be found, so I've never seen them. Um, but the others, I did. I am quite a morbid fan of Little Women, and when I was little, I always saw myself in Joe, as did every single girl who had a not like other girl's face. So, every single girl. Or at least every single girl who doesn't feel like she fits in society, which is the kind of girls that this book and this story is pandering to, because of course you can see some of them as conformist, but can you really? I mean, yeah, they get married, they do your everyday thing, but come on, they are not how everyone else is. All four of the sisters embrace one aspect of existing as a teenager and that's what it's about. Meg wants to fit in with her friends and have fun. Joe wants to be true to herself and have fun but in a different way. She wants to be childish. Then there's Beth, who's just this delicatesse, who just wants to stay home and be cuddled and just is full of love. And then there's Amy, who just wants people to see her not as a little bratty kid. That's literally all Amy is. And that's literally all everybody Caesar has. So Amy wants to not be presented 
as a bratty kid, and she wants to fit in with, you know, her older sisters and society at large. The only reason why she breaks the rules at school is because everybody is breaking that rule, and everybody has broke that rule. Yeah, cat. Yeah, no, I'm. Meow to you, cat. Meow. Meow. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Okay, so my cat is currently out of my house. What I was saying? Oh my god, I I got lost. I got lost. Oh yeah. Um. The only reason she breaks the rules at school is because all of her friends are breaking the rules, and because there's this thing: everyone broke the rule for her. Everyone got her lemon pick lemon pickles. Is that what they are? Um, sadly, I happen to read it a lot in translation, as I am Italian, and the Italian translation just can't get what it's technically about in every single translation it's a different sweet and like everything else is the same but the sweets which is also what happens with the title or mockingjay in how to kill a mockingjay how there's no how god <laughs> i am very smart today in to kill a mockingjay they just keep changing the actual bird that a mockingjay is supposed to be because mockingjays don't exist in Italy and I suppose that lemon pickles also don't exist in Italy so they're just going with what they think the children likes so that's what they all are oh my god I lost my train at some point. So. Mm. We are talking about this. Okay, it just stopped randomly, but okay. So, we have movies that are all about Joe and they all just focus on her particularly and they all tend to put the others in a different light and you might be saying oh well not all movies do there are some awesome movies especially the two latest you know the 98 1994 and the 2019 one and there my friends you are wrong honestly if i hear one more person saying that every problem i have with any adaptation is fixed in the 1994 adaptation and i should just look at that and that I should just 
keep watching that as if I didn't already. It's just messing with me. There's so much about each of these films that is just wrong and there is no superior adaptation. It's the same problem that I have with uh, the scam fandom where they just think that there can be a superior remake of scam. Which is not possible because the original has flows and no matter how you tweak and change the story, it's gonna have flows too. And also, if something just is great on one side, there can be sides that are not so great. Obviously, all of these adaptations are made in such different times. Except, I guess, for the 1970 and the 1918, because that's literally one year. But I think that since, like, the war stopped between these two movies, there was something. But let's say the 1933 and the 1944 are so different, and so is the 1918 to the 1933, because these are such different moments in history, and they are so different, and they focus on so different things. And they all mainly focus on Joe, because Joe's story is about someone who's out of her time slot, you know? Joe doesn't fit in what it's usually life, and they think that that portrayal is the most important portrayal, you know? The woman who doesn't fit in society's standard. Which I guess, yeah. And also, that's how the protagonist... Wait, no, not protagonist. The writer felt she put herself into the books. But you know, she also put somebody else into the books. There are so many plot points about everybody and I just don't get most of these movies and the 1994 adaptation is according to myself the worst offender of the book because it really offends the book so there are some things that just irks me uh, so, this is one of the first, I think, uh, movies that show the My Lord and Lady um, love story. I think it does. It, it does show them getting engaged. And there's one scene of Amy in France. That's literally it. There are so many chapters about how Hemi is doing in France, how she meets with Laura in France and how they spend their time and how she helps him to become a better person and how he feels that he is no longer strutted by heartache and is 
actually inspired by love. The moment where he understands that he cannot write about Joe, but he can write so easily about Matt, Amy, is so fantastic. And then there's the fact that what lets up to them proposing to each other because it's some sort of mutual question, you know? Is the fact that they go through grieving together. Yeah, that's not in any of these things. And, you know, there's a bit of it in the 2019 adaptation that tries to explain why um, Amy acts as she does. Which is fantastic, and that speech should be tattooed on my forehead. But I'm not sure. We're gonna get to the 90, 2019 movie in a bit. But focusing on the 1994 adaptation, it takes away the fact that these two people fell in love by making Joe, oh my god, making Laurie say that he doesn't care what March sister he marries. Which, of course, you know. I guess from the first moment that he's gonna marry into this family. He's gonna become part of that family. But that's just so cynical. That's so sad. That's misinterpreting a love story for a found family story, which is there. The March family becomes Lori's family, but it's much earlier. It starts to be in the first part of the book and in the time slot that we have void, three years of void, it's clear that the, Lor the Lawrences and the Marchs have become one big family. So you don't need to be like, oh, I don't care who I marry, at least I'm in that family. Because it's just so cynical. He might have fought it. He might have fought it at some point. But it's so cynical for a story that's just about love and family. Every couple that is portrayed is a loving couple, except for Amy and... Laurie. And then, of course, there's the entire part of misinterpreting a lot of the original book and the time slot.
the Marshes are an enlightened family, you know? They are not like other families, you know? They're more feminist, they're more good people, if we can say, not better people, they're more good people than everybody else and they really believe in their children they are ahead of their times and that's why all of their daughters are they could never think of marrying off their daughters someone they don't love that's truly not misogynistic i didn't feel like i can say feminist but it's definitely not misogynistic it's fantastic it's refreshing to see such a family in such a time slot and it's important that these people are shown as above the times and so are the girls first thing all the girls should be shown as above their times because you know mag just decided to marry for love not caring the fact that she probably caused a lot of money trouble by marrying someone who is poor to the family. She decided that marrying for love was the best thing she could do. Joe, of course, she wants to build her own career. Maggot Amy Beth has no plans to marry. She just wants to stay home and help everybody. Mag probably if she had been given the chance to grow up. If she hadn't been taken so early. I'm gonna say 13 because uh, illness leaves her very weak. And of course it's difficult to follow your dreams when you don't feel like you can embroider anymore. So, when all these people are like this, you can't just take one. And, you know, I just remembered I forgot to talk about Bath. Beth, not Bath. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Beth and Amy, I'm sorry. Um, so, Beth. She probably would have been some sort of nurse. She really loved her dolls. And she cared for them and... She went to the animals to care for the baby. And of course, you're gonna be asking, oh, what dolls? Because, of 
course, such a keen part to understanding who Amy, who Beth is, is the fact that she's a nurse at heart and that she took in all the dolls that her sisters mistreated over the years and is just caring for them. And it's in none of the movies. Because who cares about Beth's characterization other than at some point she fall ill and then dies. There might be a scene at the seaside, but we might also skip that. Because characterization, who? I am livid at these things, but most importantly, and a lot of people might be like, how is this the most important thing you're irked by at? I am not, um, what I would say, a costume make it. I, I do like a bit of sewing and I do like stuff. Like, I don't know, 1860s dresses, they're pretty nice, they're absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I know a bit of things about this stuff. And one of this stuff is corsets. I don't know a lot about corset making, um, although I'm working toward knowing a bit more. But I definitely know that the key difference between a corset and a bra is that technically they didn't let you wear a corset when you were, you know, uh, an adolescent, they only let you wear them once you reached adulthood. And also, it just covers your abdomen instead of hanging off your shoulders. So, it keeps your posture and it makes sure that to hold everything you need to hold, you use absolutely nothing. So no part of your body is having problems with that weight. Also, I know that if you don't wear them when you're three years old, they don't shift your organs. And I know that if you don't tight lace them, they're not painful. And I know that they're not supposed to be put on raw skin, such as we do with our bras. We put them directly against our skins. With corset, you shouldn't do that because, you know, it can get a pre pretty hot if you have something quite tight against you. 
and you know it has to be tight so you can't hold everything so it does tend to leave those red marks but also if it's against the nude um, skin but so does my bra and you know I think that many of you might be thinking oh well I think I'm gonna ditch my bra and get a corset if you're not thinking that then you're probably the kind of person that can just ditch a bra and there's absolutely nothing to it I'm kidding you can think whatever you want to think about corsets and bras and any undergarment but you must admit you must admit that there is nothing in the descriptions of corsets that make you feel like they're enslaving anyone and you might be saying but but the misogynism which I guess, yes, it existed, it still exists. But the bra has lasted, counting as of now, less than a century. Now, okay, let's say a century. So it's been a century we are using bras. And then there's been several centuries of using corsets or stays. They were changed when the shape of the body was changing. So they were ditched when people were like, we don't want that feminine stuff. I don't want people to know I have a cleavage. And then they were not put back on because someone invented a littler version of them. So, we have improved, but they stayed pretty much similar for so much time. And I can tell you that no matter how fashionable, something doesn't last centuries if it's not comfortable. Trousers are comfortable. That's why it's been centuries men wore them and we fought to have them. Skirts are also uh, comfortable in a different situation. That's why they still make them. And chemises they're also comfortable otherwise shirts such as the normal white shirt that has the buttons would no longer exist because fashion evolves based mainly on what people wear If nobody wears something, it's not going to be fashionable. And you can't force a big...
big, large crowd to wear something that makes them uncomfortable. But Jillian Armstrong seemed to know it a little bit better than, you know, people who actually did researches on this. And, you know, there's a wonderful scene in the movie where Mommy March, it can also be pronounced something like Mommy, basically, the mum, she said something very fantastic about how something something corsets are bad. I don't remember the exact quote, but I need to search it up. Um, corsets are bad. I'm sorry, computer, that I'm using these words. Quote, little women, 1994. Oh yeah, here we have them. Here we have this. Thank you, quotes.net. Feminine wickedness and fainting spells are direct the direct result of our confining girl, young girls to the house bent over their needlework and restrictive corsets. Wow. That's... That's a quote. Oh dear God. Someone said this. A mother in a movie said in 1860 said this about corsets. I am. I don't even know how to interact with such a quote because you see. There's so much wrong about this, and I know why this quote was put in the movie. Because this is 1994, and feminism is at its peak, in a lot of quotation marks. And, you know, <sighs> corsets are bad, and like... We can't sew. We all have to be like Joes. Joes don't wear corsets. Joes don't do needlework. And Joes go out of the house. And they're not weak. Joes are not weak because they don't do any of that. Because weakness is bad. Remember, weakness is bad, but we are feminists. We are feminists. We are so feminists. But weakness is bad. Weakness is very bad. And so is liking feminine things. And, you know, if you are a Beth, I hope you die. Yeah. What a great message for a movie. <laughs> Such a fantastic. 
fantastic movie and a fantastic message. Which is definitely in the original book, you know? Definitely there. Because this book is not an autobiography, sort of, by Lisa May Alcott about herself and how much she loves her sisters. No, it's a book about, you know, feminism and how bad wanting to marry his and how terrible are all mags for wanting to have a family and not wanting more. Yeah, this is totally what it's about. I guess this is why I can't really love such adaptations. Because I don't feel welcome watching them. Because I don't feel like anyone is welcome but a very niche group of people and people want to believe that what mommy just said. is deep and right and should be how we live every single day and I am not one of those people